How about a little more of that Mackie magic? And let's get analytical. Let's talk about it. Today's quick cast is brought to you by Martin Vintage. MartinVintage.com, where if you enter boiled at checkout, you'll get 20% off. Mom, thanks for watching. What a great game yesterday in Mackey Arena as the students started to trickle back onto campus. Purdue really showed some strength yet again at home, and the Mackey magic was once again renewed. This game felt a lot like that Virginia game, had a lot of similarities to that Virginia game, and the outcome was almost a twin to the Virginia game. I don't think Virginia is as good of a team as uh, many thought they were coming into the season. They've shown that, especially in the last few weeks. And this game, Michigan State, I think Michigan State was really ripe for a loss. Uh, they had won eight straight games. They had only beaten two ranked foes on the entire season. One of them was Seton Hall, who's not ranked right now. The other was Michigan, who's a rival, rival for them. And uh, Michigan is barely hanging on to their ranking as of Monday. Uh, I, I bet they'll be in the 23 range since they just lost another game versus Minnesota. Purdue really needed a win. This is kind of a confluence of factors, obviously, that uh, spelled doom for Tom Izzo and Michigan State. And Purdue really, really was ready to play. They played a great team game. They played fantastic defense. They just played uh, from the jump. They were all over Michigan State, and then they got stronger as the game went by. One of the things that I loved about that game, obviously, was Michigan State generally bullies around their opponents, kind of tells them what they're going to do to them, and then does it. Guys like Tillman are Michigan State mainstays, where they just are stronger and bigger and badder than their opponent. But Purdue's bully, Travion Williams, did once again what he's been doing the last few games, uh, as he scored 16 points and, had, and grabbed seven rebounds. Just, he played great. He enforced, he forced his will upon Michigan State and set a tone. Uh, of course, there were some other interesting uh, uh, stories in this game. Boudreaux played 24 minutes, 24 very significant minutes, scored 11 points, grabbed five boards, had two steals. It was by far his best game as a Boilermaker. Uh, Sasha had 10 points and four, four rebounds and then had three blocks. Sasha Stefanovic had three blocks. That's crazy, and this is one of the reasons I've been saying for a while that if you want to compare Sasha to Matthias and Ryan Smith, because I think Purdue fans have naturally done that because of their ability to shoot, and maybe other reasons too, I think Sasha comes out on the positive side of this because his upside is pretty darn huge, and he's starting to show more and more of it in, in a tighter pattern. Sasha can shoot the ball, obviously. If he can figure out how to play consistently on the road, the Big Ten is in a world of hurt. Hunter scored 10 points, added three assists. Eastern played maybe his perfect game for me right now for this team and what they need. Nine points, seven rebounds, and then two assists. Just played a darn solid game. Didn't force anything. Looked really patient and uh, wasn't doing any of that stuff where he's just dribbling too much and trying to beat the guy who's guarding him off the dribble with a crossover or something like that. That's not his game. His game is based on strength. His game is based on using his big body. And then on the other side, wearing him out on defense. And speaking of that defense, Eric Hunter and Nogel Eastern did a masterful job on Cassius Winston. They kept him from doing anything, kept him from getting any uh, rhythm, and I think forced eight turnovers. He's only done that three times in his entire career. The other two times were at Illinois for some reason. I don't know what's up with that. But Purdue really did their job and, and really controlled Tillman 
and Cassius Winston both. If you saw our Twitter feed, you saw that Tom Izzo was obviously frustrated, which is always a ton of fun to watch. The really good news about this game, to me, is there's still room for Purdue to grow. In spite of just throttling Michigan State, they can do some things better. One of them, of course, I've been talking about this all season, hit your free throws. Purdue hit 61% of their free throws, and I don't think they went to the line enough in this situation. And part of that is because Harms was in and out of the game. Um, Harms is still, he's trying to tough out that hip injury. People that are questioning his toughness uh, may not be paying attention. He took a pretty good shot via knee uh, of a Michigan player in the last game. He's limping around, he's hobbled, but he still played. Um, but Purdue went 11 of 18 from free throw. They can do better, they can go to the line even more, and they can hit more of those free throws. If you can get it up near 70%, Purdue is a different team this season. I'm not talking about last game, not the Michigan State game, but overall, they may have two or three more wins if they can hit 70% of their free throws regularly. And that's not asking a lot. Second, Three-point field goal percentage is only at 36%. They can do better, especially at home. And I think they should hover around 35% if they want to win a significant amount of games coming down the stretch here. Now, if Purdue really wants to go to the NCAA tournament, this game was not their end. We had a pretty heated discussion behind closed doors, boiled sports. I was defending my opinion that Purdue's not a tournament team, and I think they're not still. They still have their work cut out. Is it impossible to get to the tournament? Absolutely not. How does Purdue get to the tournament? Well, well, we'll segue a little bit here. But one thing that I think Purdue needs to do is just start gelling, playing more consistent, having everybody know their roles, right, and having everybody play like a team. Let's not forget, this is, this is noteworthy. On this roster, there are no players left from the 2016 class, and that kind of matters to me because that's a big hole for a developmental program to have nobody in that class. That matters. It's a nine-man rotation. You have uh, seven to eight guys that play consistent minutes. Um, only six of these players on the roster have played together at Purdue. And only three to four of those, I'd say, I say three to four because if you look at who I'm talking about, only three to four of those guys have played significant minutes in key times in games. And that all matters. I've been trying to figure this out for a while. Why does this team play so much younger than they really are by class designation? And I think it comes down to these facts that this team is actually not fully developed yet. The strength of Purdue when they're really humming along, the strength of Matt Painter's programs when things are going well, is really the development of players. And some of these guys really haven't developed at the rate we all expected, surely not at the rate that Painter expected, and that explains, explains the red shirts this year. But they're not all there yet, in my opinion. This team has a long way to go in development, and as a group, they can develop a lot more, even in this season. So are they an NCAA tournament team? Not right now. They win over Michigan State. Did, Michigan State did not make them an NCAA tournament team, but it took them a big step closer to an NCAA tournament. Obviously, the NCAA tournament committee always respects Tom Izzo coach team. So a win over them is big, and a win over them on, in, on national TV and the way Purdue beat them, that really matters. But they need to win some more games. The real key is defend home court. And then the second thing, beat one or two of the teams that you should beat on the road. And there are plenty of opportunities there. There are teams that Purdue should beat on the road, even in this Big Ten season. My pal Dave, here from Boiled Sports, gave me a statistical analysis that I really it really hit home with me. He said Big Ten teams typically hold home court advantage, and defend home court at a rate of 60 to 65% of the time. But this season, it's been around 71% of the time that the home court teams have won. That's a big deal. If Purdue can do what a lot of teams haven't done this season and go and win a road game or two, 
that will really go a long way. So why is the why is the Big Ten dominating itself at home and having a hard time on the road, even some of the good teams? And I think it can be explained away relatively quickly as a mental toughness issue. And that really that that comes back to our boilermakers, right? If Purdue can get consistently mentally tough, I think they can start winning some road games, especially the games versus teams that are in the lower part of the conference. There really shouldn't be an excuse of losing a road game against a team that's a lower part of the conference. And granted, the Big Ten is tougher this year than it was last year or the year before even. But you got to beat those teams on the road. Let's look right now at Ohio State as a cautionary tale. Ohio State was very, very, very good, uh, especially early in the season. They got into the conference, and now they are struggling and floundering around. They've lost four straight games. They just lost at Assembly Hall to IU. And the reason I think they're struggling is that mental toughness portion. And once you lose your mental toughness, once you lose your edge, it's really tough to get it back. Purdue lost its mental toughness, especially in the last month, maybe Maybe, just maybe, maybe they're gaining it back. AJ's, try a pint of one of their 12 beers on tap or 20 other beers. Great burgers, great appetizers. EatAJ's.com. Now, I want to talk about something that I think is a big deal and that not a lot of uh, Purdue fans are talking about, and that is the strength of this roster. I've heard via Twitter and via knucklehead board some Purdue fans just talking trash about this roster as it sits. I've even heard people say, and this is quite a few people say actually, there are only one or two Big Ten quality players on this roster. I don't know which players they're talking about. You could pick a knight and you could, you could change that guy. But this is the problem. I, I, I really struggle with this opinion because there are facts that back up that they are incorrect. And I'll tell you about those facts in one second. But I tweeted about this. I talked about all those fans who were talking crap about these players. I really struggle with those people. You can put the responsibility on Painter and say, hey, he's not doing his job. He hasn't gotten this roster to maturity yet. I can get that. I can, I can understand that opinion. And I can even say, okay, I don't agree with it. This year, I think Painter's earned a lot of equity in the last couple seasons and how he's developed teams. But you could put it on Painter if you want to. I have a hard time putting it on the roster and saying these guys aren't talented enough. And here's the reason I think they are talented enough. I'm going to go through the roster, okay? And I talked about a second ago about the rotation. You have a nine-man rotation, then you have a tenth guy who is a scholarship player who hardly ever plays. He only comes in um, when the game's out of hand. And you can, you can do your research. I'll allow you to do that. But I'm not going to lead you all the way there. I'm just going to put facts in front of these without names. But I'm going to put facts in front of you. Okay? And I think the reason I'm doing that is because if you have a bias built in against one player or another, it's kind of tough to see that bias when I don't give you a name. Let me go top to bottom from highest-ranked recruit down to the lowest-ranked recruit according to offers. I'll use Rivals as the online magazine of choice here. And then I'm going to go through some analysis. So... Purdue's best recruit that's on the roster, he was from the class of 17. He was a four-star player. He had five Big Ten offers, including Michigan State, Michigan, and Ohio State. I would say that counts as a guy who's talented. And when you have coaches that are that season, remember, that's Beeline and uh, Izzo offering him. That's a big deal because those coaches are putting their jobs on the line. I'd offer every time they offer somebody a scholarship. They're putting money there. So this guy is good. He's real good, okay? 
And some of you, if you, if I gave you the name, may disagree. But that guy would be on a Big Ten roster right now if he had not signed with Purdue. The second one, another four-star guy out of the class of 18. He had three Big Ten offers, including Ohio State, who, like I said, they're struggling now, but they were pretty darn good this season. And then he also had offers from Butler and Xavier. I include them in this group because Butler and Xavier have been so good versus Purdue over the last decade. Third one. This guy's a, a significant player, class of 18, two Big Ten offers, including Michigan State and Xavier. He would have fit in perfectly in those two programs because they are both so strong. They both are so good in the front court. Another player, three-star player from the class of 2015 with two Big Ten offers. Another one, three-star player, class of 18, five Power Five offers, no Big Ten offers, but five Power Five offers. Then we have a three-star player, class of 17, Two Power 5 offers, a three-star player of the class of 17 with two Power 5 offers, a three-star player with an offer from Xavier, a three-star player from the class of 19 with an offer from Butler, and then finally, filling out the roster, and I will tell you this guy's name, a, a player on the roster who plays significant minutes who had no Power 5 offers in Proctor. Okay, and I like I mentioned Proctor because I think he's a great testament of a guy just working really hard to get where he is. And he needed to be on this roster, let's be real honest, especially early in the season when Purdue had nobody that could score. Proctor did some pretty good things. Hopefully he can get back on track and learn as we go along. I think he's really struggling against Big Ten talent. Big Ten big men are tough for him to get around as he drives, and he's not as willing to take the jump shot as I wish he would. But he's dealing with guards, forwards, and centers like he's never seen because he played at high point, as you know, but he's working hard. This team is solid when it comes to talent. This team, when it comes to potential, is there. But they got to develop a little bit. Mental toughness and focus has to be the thing that Matt Painter talks about as they go along here in the next month, month and a half, and get ready for the tournament, possibly. What they need to do is get on a little bit of a tear, and they've gotten through almost, they've almost gotten through the worst part of the schedule, one more game at Maryland, and if they can compete, if not win at Maryland, that could go a long way to getting Purdue towards that NCAA tournament berth and bid that we talked about. That fight they showed versus Michigan, if they can show that same fight, they beat Maryland. Maryland is a place where Purdue has won some pretty dramatic games and shown that mental toughness. A couple years ago, Carson Edwards really made his presence known to Purdue fans by hitting a couple free throws, just an ice water moment, and beating Maryland. I think Edwards was a freshman, Harms was given a really hard time by the Maryland fans, and in turn, I, dis I started disdaining the Maryland fans because the way they handled Harms, I thought that was horrible. They have a, a ravenous student section. They'll be their first time back together since Christmas break, so it'll be hostile. But here's a good chance of, of Purdue testing that mental focus and really becoming so stronger. Thanks for tuning in today. Hope you have a great day. God bless you. Hammer down. BS all the time.